Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And that's the topic of today's ReChurch. This is Marshall Fant. So glad to have you with us. And I uh, want to introduce the Edwards family to you. Many of you know them. But Jonathan, introduce yourself and your wife to everybody, please. Hi, uh, I'm Jonathan Edwards, my wife, Crissa. We've been married uh, in a very short time for 50 years. <laughs> wow. 50 yeah. years. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 Been in the ministry almost all of that time. Um, I just thought maybe uh, my wife would uh, like to share her testimony of um, and background how we uh, uh, how she came to Christ and then how we uh, how we met each other and so on. Good. So, uh, Chris, do you want uh, you go and share that? Sure. Okay. Um, so I was raised in a um, a home where it was a my parents were Presbyterian, and we went to church maybe I don't know six times a year total. And uh, a little neighborhood girl invited me to vacation Bible school at a little Baptist church in the Portland, Oregon area. And I trusted Christ as my savior at vacation Bible school and immediately wanted to be in church. I was baptized later that summer and my parents started going to church with me. Eventually that led to my dad being saved during my freshman year of college. And then he served uh, as a missionary in Bangladesh for 20 years after that and so um, the Lord blessed with just reaching children and uh, um, when I was um, between my junior and senior year of high school I went to a camp and heard a message on Romans 12 1 and 2 and I did that I went out into the woods and submitted just yielded myself to God and stood up from that log knowing that I was called into full-time service and then uh, later that year, John and I started dating, and rest is history. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, you know, I had not heard your testimony. Of course, I met, I knew your parents many years ago, mm-hmm. and, yes. uh, and I think that's actually how I met you. And then my first, uh, I never will forget the first time I met Jonathan. Uh, he challenged us as we were trying to reach the LDS world. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you may need to read the Book of Mormon in order to be able to have some credibility uh, with the LDS world, and I took that seriously. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and let me, so let me introduce Jonathan to everybody. A true American cowboy is what I always think of him. And <laughs> they minister in the West, right? And uh, so, Jonathan, tell everybody. All right, so here's here's where we're trying to go with this podcast. All right, so just as as you're, you know, Chris's testimony for salvation, you know. We believe Romans one sixteen is true, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And, and as I've watched the Edwards testimony work out as pastors and church planters and, and you know, in Utah, um, carving out ter- new territory for Christ, you know, when I thought about this, Jonathan, I thought about you and your wife, because really you found a way to intersect this message with the lives of people in, in Utah. And so that's the reason. So that's the context. 
So, Jonathan, as you introduce yourself, so pastors that are listening and deacons and, and families, I want you to understand the reason we're here is not because of anything good the Edwards have done or anything good any pastor does. It's taking the power of the gospel and intersecting lives. And Jonathan can put it this way, in the culture where God has placed you, right? So you were in a different culture where I pastored in South Carolina. All right, so if you would uh, explain uh, for our listeners who don't know you, uh, just a little about uh, where y'all have ministered over all these years, and and, and uh, give that background. Then we'll go from there, please. Okay. Um, yeah, it was interesting. You're you're uh, highlighting Romans one sixteen because it was a verse I was saved uh, earlier, <laughs> but uh, just kind of bobbed along in my life. And I was a senior in high school. We had uh, Dr. Charles Woodbridge at our church uh, preaching through the Book of Romans uh, week of meetings. And the very first night, he preached on Romans 1.16. And the Lord used that verse in a powerful way in my life because I realized that I had, uh, I had in, in, a, in a certain sense, been ashamed of the gospel. And God just, uh, uh, that, was a, that was a landmark decision. That verse uh, wow. worked mightily in my heart to uh, motivate me to spread the gospel in any way that God would choose. Um, went off and got education and then at the end of our our time in school no, wait, no, wait, no, got, so you grew up where california do i remember that did you tell me i that? did i grew up i was a beach guy okay. i grew up on the beach in california and let me tell you uh beach culture and and uh you know bob jones southern culture they don't mix real well <laughs> <laughs> it was a the first year was a little rough to, to say the least but you know uh, God wanted me there, and He uh, He He mercifully allowed me to to uh, finish there. I got a good education. I'm grateful for that. And uh, senior year, um, a guy named Wally Higgins showed up at uh, on campus and talked about a new newly founded mission board, Northwest Baptist Missions. And God just uh, drew my heart to go visit him and talk to him a little bit. Started praying for him, and in the midst of praying for him, uh, God began to burden my heart for the West. Um, you know, California beach culture and and uh, Western culture aren't uh, super compatible, but uh, God, you know, he, he, he equips you for whatever he calls you to. So we started out in uh, Salt Lake City. Um, so we started, you went out as missionaries, correct? We went out as missionaries. Okay. We joined Northwest Baptist Missions right. in 1975. We've been with them all this time. And uh, we, we did an internship for a year with Harley Johnson in the Salt Lake area. Then we moved to the western part of the Salt Lake Valley and started Western Hills Baptist Church, which morphed into Grace Baptist Church. And, and so Grace is doing very well. Pastor is Matt Johnson. Sure. Uh, they have a Christian school, just a beautiful building. God's blessed that church. We moved from there to a rural area, uh, Salina, a town of about 2,500 people, and pastored that, founded and pastored that church for 13 and a half years. Then after that, there's a little interlude between these churches where he raised a little support and right. reported to churches. And then for the last... Uh, 28 years, we've been in a little town of Marysvale, um, a town of 400 people, not a place where you would typically go um, if you were going to start a church based on demographics. Uh, 
400 people, uh, it just doesn't seem like, uh, you know, enough basis to start a church. But I'm, I'm very pleased to report that um, Marysville Baptist Church is now a self-supporting church and a self-supported church. And they have a brand new building. Wow. And we started in Marysville uh, 28 years ago. There was only one church in the entire county. It was the LDS Church. And now there's uh, one alternative, Good. and it's uh, Marysville Baptist Church. All right, so, so now can I, can I park right there a minute? Uh, sure. Right, so just so our, our people are aware. All right, so Marysville, so you were you really the last 28 years of your ministry kind of spent in one area. Is that right? Yes, and what's interesting is um, Salina is about an hour north of Marysville. So we were there for 13 and a half years. And then 28 years of Marysville. So a cumulative wow. time, about 40 years, but our shopping was all um, halfway between in a town called Richfield, a bigger town. And they have Walmart and they have um, uh, Home Depot now. They didn't used to, but they do now. And and uh, Ace Hardware, and there's, you know, yeah. auto parts and motels and restaurants and all the amenities yeah, so, that. So, Chris, so how far would in. you drive for groceries? So, we uh, got 30 miles. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it takes 30 minutes. And so, people from like Atlanta, they say, uh, man, that is just really a, uh, man, 30 miles. I can't believe you drive that far. I said, it takes 30 minutes. I said, <laughs> how far can you drive in Atlanta in 30 minutes? <laughs> a mile. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right, so uh, long-term, same general area. And, and again, this, the, I want to pick some of these facts out of you to set the stage for where we're going. So it's my sure. understanding in Marysville, is, again, a community of 400. But yes. it, tell me where I'm wrong, but it's my understanding you had as many, but yours really was the only – area where the Baptist church was larger than the LDS ward. Is that, or whatever they, whatever they call that. Is that fair? I, yeah. That, that probably wouldn't be, um, um, accurate. I okay. would say they, have, they have more. Okay. But it was close, we, right? At I mean, one it, point, at one point we were operating a, um, um, a, a boys ministry. We okay. had um, a number of boys uh, at risk boys. And at that time, we had a we had a pretty large, um, you know, uh, group of people meeting. But um, the church now, I say the Mormon Church um, definitely has more okay. people. But our buildings, our buildings should be very similar in size. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think the Marysville Baptist facility is nicer than their facility, um, and we have definitely have a better location. We're right on the highway, and they're wow. kind of hidden um, off the beaten track. So the Lord just gifted us. We started the church in the old bar in town. We bought the only operating bar. Of course, we closed it down. And uh, <laughs> we, we, we debated about what to call the church. We thought maybe Living Water Baptist Church, you know, you know, get the spirit here instead of the spirits. Yeah. But uh, we, we, uh, we ended up naming it Marysville Baptist. But um, it, is, it is really a prominent landmark in the town. Everybody sees the church right. and uh, grateful to the Lord for giving us that location and a beautiful building now, uh, debt-free, by the way. Amen. That's great. All right. So here's where we want to go. All right. So y'all have been uh, one place or two churches for a long time. 
Yeah. And so you've seen people come to Christ. You've seen Romans 1.16 being lived out. So kind of, you know, uh, Chris and Jonathan, what I want to ask you would be, um, how, what, how, did your, how did you intentionally have your life intersect with those that were unbelievers? So you lived in one place. You saw people come into Christ. You saw them baptized. You saw them join the church. <laughs> So I want you to, and again, every culture is different. And I know now, now right, so tell me, all right, first, let's start this way. So, uh, Chris, I know you were a homemaker, right? All right, but I know. Um, homemaker and a school teacher and a go. tutor. Okay. A lot of mm-hmm. All right. So I was listing what I knew of Jonathan. Uh, I knew you did some kind of medical technician work, right? Yep. We did. Back and in China. Okay. And you're a pilot. I am. And you also are a horse trainer. And I think uh, you also are a farrier, right? Is that how you say what? it? A uh, horseshoe guy? Yeah. Yeah, a horseshoe guy. What's Farrier. What, <laughs> okay. And yeah. then yeah. you're a pastor, and you also were an educator with the boys' home. So you, yes. had, you brought that whole, between you and your wife, you were doing all these things. So tell me, with all, you, this is how you got, this is who you are. And I know you did a lot of hunting trips and all that too. But tell me yeah. how you use the way God had wired the two of you and Romans one sixteen living through you. What did you do to develop relationships and find those that God was drawing? If you can just run with that a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, just, first of all, we moved to Marysville. The Lord miraculously enabled us to buy um, a pretty good sized ranch. It was uh, 280 acres. Plus, we had a large grazing allotment, a government grazing allotment attached to the ranch. So we had. I right, hold on, hold on, hold on, Jonathan. What is a grazing allotment? I mean, you're talking to somebody from the grazing, east. It's for grazing cattle, but it's on public land. It's on okay. government land. Okay, all right. But, but it was attached. It was attached to the ranch. So okay. we had we had control over about 2,500 acres. And when you uh, when you look at town, it's about this big. And when you look at our ranch, you know, it's <laughs> like this big on the edge of town. So. People, uh, you know, we were the biggest shock the town ever had our coming and starting a Baptist church. And but, but they had to kind of accept us because we we had a pretty large land holding there. Uh, and it, it started out that way. I think they kind of they were a little resentful of us coming. But over time, you know, and through making contact with people and, and showing that we genuinely had a a concern for the people and for the community. Um, now we have been fully accepted by, I say most people, the majority of the people have fully accepted us. And we, we have had so many LDS people come visit our church services. I mean, it's, it's just been unbelievable how many through the years, recent years in particular, but it has been because we built relationships with the people and they, they, began to realize we really do care about them. We care about the community. Um, some of the ways that we um, engaged in the community was uh, Salina. I was involved with the EMS and, you know, it is a great thing. It's, a, it's kind of a job that nobody wants to do, but everybody appreciates yeah. uh, people who do it. And the chief of police came to me and he said, you need to run for uh, uh, city council. You, you'd be a great councilman. He said, people here in this town really respect you. And I said, Gordon, I said, uh, 
I said, that wouldn't work. I said, half the people be mad at me, you know, all the time. And I think it'd be easier to be the president of the United States than be on a council of a small town. Especially especially as a pastor, right? With EMS, with EMS, it's a win-win, even if the people die. Um, you know, you're making uh, a good effort and yeah. to save people's lives and to um, help them in time of need. And so that was an incredible um, end in the community. I would keep the ambulance many times at our house. They would just allow me to use it. And I could go out on visitation with the ambulance. It's kind of funny, you know, I'd, I'd go visit people and you could just about count it down when I'd pull into somebody's <laughs> house. I'd be in their house. The telephone would ring and somebody would say, is everything all right? <laughs> no, I'm just a pastor here visiting, you know, <laughs> with the ambulance. But um, uh, my wife made some great contacts in Salina by tutoring, particularly in the area of reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a, a special ed and reading specialist. And that opened up a lot of doors for people. I'll let her tell a little bit about that. And then particularly in Marysville, where she uh, became a teacher there in the public uh, school system. And the Lord really, um, I think we just need to say, what is that in my hand? Just like Moses, what is that in my hand? And God gives us each talents and abilities that we can use to connect with people. Right. Um, mine was teaching, yeah. and I was able to tutor some uh, adult people, and that just really made a good impression, and they wow. shared their friends. And then um, when we moved to Marysville, we were there for a while, and the children began to be out of the home. I prayed about a part-time job, basically, to have more contact with community members. Sure. I really wanted to get out of the house and get involved in the community. And so the Lord led me to apply for a position as an aide at the local elementary school, very small school, like 40 Mm -hmm. students. But I was an aide, and then the teacher asked me if I would take over the kindergarten, which I did. And then the district um, asked me if I would take over a special ed, new special ed position of um, both elementary schools in the district. And I had a car that I drove back and forth. And the last year I had 53 students in special ed in both schools and was able to contact a lot of um, parents. Special ed teacher is a lot like an EMT, and whatever you do is greatly appreciated. And then I just loved the students so much, and they all wanted to be in special ed. They all asked me, how can I get into special ed? (laughs) And the teachers said to me, those students just know that you love them. So I had a lot of opportunity to share um, Bible verses with them and little quotes, Christian quotes, and just pray for them. And they're just in my community there, but also with the parents when they would get a diagnosis for their child. I was just able to share the hope of Christ with them. And eternity will tell how far that went. But I know um, I still have a real good rapport with those people. So I'm going back to the longevity factor. Um, a lot of the students that Chris had in kindergarten are now married and have families of their own. And we've yeah. been there so long. We, 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 we know them as young adults now. So it's a, it's been so, a great thing. Yeah, to so staying, staying in one place as long as God possibly yes, allows absolutely. you, it does bring back a lot of fruit. Yep. All right. So I, uh, uh, go ahead. I did some, uh, I did some horseshoeing and 
there's not many people and horseshoers are kind of like people's hairdressers. They tell you everything to stand out there and hold their horse and tell you everything. But they never met a Baptist preacher who uh, would shoe horses. And I just had, I'd say half my clients I had opportunity to, to give a full gospel presentation to. Wow. I got paid by the job and not by the hours. So I could uh, take as long as I wanted mm. and uh, talking to people. So that was a great end. Um, we, we find it, there's town functions that we can become involved with. Yeah. Um, if there's funerals, we'll, we'll attend the funerals in town of people, you know, we know we'll, we'll go to those. Um, so we, uh, so the bottom line is your life became interwoven in the community. Yes. You I mean, in, do- in every, every, I mean, education, funerals, I mean, job, horses, mm-hmm. everything yep. became yep. totally interwoven. <laughs> Well, the, the thing, too, about a small town where we live, um, everybody gets their mail at the post office. You know, there's no mail delivery. You have to go get it at the post office. And you can see everybody in town if you just alter the time you go visit the post office because uh, everybody yeah. has a little set routine. They'll go at, yeah. you know, 9.05. And if you sure. want to see that person, you just go at 9.05. <laughs> and uh, you just get to where you know you want to talk to somebody in town. You just kind of alter your uh, time going to the post office, get your mail. All right. So. so Let's segue into this. We have limited time and so much to talk about. All right. So again, uh, this is no credit to you. It's a credit to our, our Lord and the word of God. Amen. So, yeah. uh, Romans one sixteen. you saw it lived out. Uh, I did not know it was such an important verse in your life, Jonathan, but as, as you are, you're in a lot of churches now because, uh, you do traveling and you represent the mission and, and, um, right. in fact, right now you're in Alaska, right? So, I mean, <laughs> so you live in Utah, but we're recording this and you're in Alaska. So thanks for getting up real early this morning. All right. Yeah. So, so my question would be this. So what would you say are some distractions or reasons that uh, pastors and churches are not seeing people come to Christ where Romans one sixteen is not being lived out? What, what, how would you advise a pastor that's not seen the church is declining? They've not seen anyone come to Christ baptized in quite a while. And, and Chris, you feel free to chime in as well. But what, Jonathan, what, what advice, where would they start searching their hearts or their churches or the scriptures? Okay. Of prayer. okay I, so I, um, go ahead. I agree with that. <laughs> we did in, in uh, Marysvale was uh, we just started seeing a, a dramatic increase of God's blessing. But uh, once a month, we would have a day of prayer at okay. the church. Yeah. And we had a couple that uh, took that on as a ministry. And uh, they would open up the church in the morning and take a break in the middle of the day. And then uh, open it up in the evening as well for people that worked and could come in later. And it was like kind of pulling pulling teeth to get people to uh, participate, mm-hmm. but it got to where it was just a constant flow of people coming in. It wasn't a organized thing. They just came in and we had a special prayer sheet there for them. They would go either pray alone or they would it'd be a husband and wife praying together, a family praying mm-hmm. together. It uh, was not an organized uh, thing yeah. as, a, as a group. It just be people coming into the church building finding a quiet place in the building and uh, praying together with their spouse or alone or with their family. Um, now, did you do that? That started in, in 2006, 
we had um, no children in the church whatsoever. We had uh, older people. Um, every time we met, it was the senior citizens group. And uh-huh. we, our youngest church uh, attendee was 19 years old. And we just began to really pray um, for children and for families. And that's how we started our day of prayer, just asking God mm-hmm. specifically for that. And today we have many, many children in the church, young families. We have children who were born while their parents lived and, and worked in the Marysville area. And the Lord just really honored that. But we saw a lot of changes. We saw the community huh? open up to us and just yeah. a lot of good. I mean, prayer is so powerful. All right. It is. So was your day of prayer, was it on a Saturday? Was it on a weekday or did it vary? Weekday. Weekday? It was a weekday. Okay. Yeah, it was Thursday usually. Yeah. Okay. I, I think uh, no, I think you hit it. Any any church that has seen any kind of revitalization or major effort being made for the sake of the gospel, it, every, they, they would say the same thing you just said, some type of season yep. of prayer, whether mm-hmm. it be a prayer day, a week of prayer, a month of prayer. So, all right, so that's, you, you contribute, I mean, I would agree with you. So you pray and prepare, and that's where you start, right? I, you pray. I, I told people that, yes, I understand that you can just stay home and pray, but to me, to make the effort to come down to the church, I think it's just, um, in, in essence, showing God that we as a corporate body are serious mm-hmm. about wanting his blessing on our, on our church. Okay. And we just saw a dramatic, we just saw a dramatic change in the church. You know, we were just kind of holding our own, like a lot of churches and, sure. and really not seeing much happen. But when that really got underway, we started seeing uh, an incredible increase. And so I, I think we just, you know, we all know that prayer is effective and powerful, right. but we just don't do it. We don't do it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's hard for all of us to just pray like we should. Then, too, we've really tried to reach out to our community and invite them to things that they can participate in. We right. one time had a um, big Western day with a um, huge grills going and food yeah. for the community. A lot of people came. Tri-tip steak. Yeah. And we had, <laughs> and we had activities like hatchet throw and horse riding and things like that. And 200 people, I think came. And Out of a town of 200. So we had half the town. <laughs> and the one man remarked, remarked to his friend, these Baptists really do it right. You know? I so guess. I think yeah. just inviting the community to things like that, um, it really makes a, an inroad with them. Right. And our vacation Bible schools are a big hit, even with um, the Mormon kids. And then um, we've done. All right. So uh, here, here's what I'm saying. All right. So I see everything you're describing is the event based, right? Yes. But you yeah. are you were doing that personal that personal side yeah. in order to feed that, right? So I mean, you were well, getting relationships come out of those days as they well do. because. Have a conversation with a casual mm-hmm. visitor, and then you get together with them later and yeah. follow up on. It. But it's a, a it's it's a big deal for Mormon people to come into a Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's a big. All right, so we what? Have, I, what have a couple of unique, a couple of unique things that I've been trying to um, promote this among um, guys to I don't know, just help lift up their eyes, um, have a big vision for things. And I, I think you would maybe categorize us as people that have have a vision, and <laughs> I think teaching 
teaching people, teaching your people uh, about the nature of God that we have, and, and why, why why should we offend God by our small thinking? Uh, and, yeah, uh, I think that's Romans one sixteen. You know, yeah. it's it's a powerful gospel, and we have a powerful God. The powerful God is behind the powerful gospel. Mm. And a couple of things that we have done that's been a little bit unique in Marysville is um, for now 17 years now, the church has had a radio broadcast on secular stations. And we're on um, uh, a pretty powerful AM talk radio station. Plus, we're on a a country western station, FM station. And we're aired twice a day, one-minute Bible message every day, every weekday of the month, different message. And I'll tell you what, that thing has just taken on a life of its own. It is the equivalent of passing out thousands of gospel tracts every day. And how many and years have you been doing that? 17 years. All right. So and we did it 15 years in Marysvale. Then I, the church we helped out at for two years recently um, they caught a vision for it, and, and they allowed me to uh, do the same thing there for two years. That was in Price. In Price, 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 Price Utah. Utah. Yeah. All right, so, so I think— uh, 17 years, and I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't a lot of feedback in the early um, uh, days, but now it's virtually almost a contact of some sort, almost on a daily basis. Uh, someone Aren't calls— <laughs> uh, people, uh, I, I, I just run it. I can't go anywhere in, in uh, town to go shopping. They just go, man, hear you on the radio, hear you on the radio, hear you on the radio. Yeah. And it, it's just, um, you know, I, I try to focus on certain themes like the validity of the Bible. And you have to understand the culture in which we live there. People don't believe the Bible is necessarily translated accurately. So I really focus on that. I focus on who the true God of the Bible is. And then, of course, um, the bulk of the time is spent dealing with uh, biblical salvation, something they don't, people in our area don't understand. Sure. But you just, just keep keep those themes before these people. Sure. And only eternity is going to reveal, you know, how many the thousands of people are affected every day. They hear it every day. And in fact, most recently, the um, one of the head honchos at the radio station in Price, he told me, he said. Um, he said, we get a lot of calls here at the radio station about this this broadcast, and people really appreciate it. That's so great. I think that, you know, truth truth strikes a chord in their heart. Yeah. And it's just every day, every day, they get to hear a different message. And I I'm, I call myself kind of the, uh, <clears throat> the, the revival of Paul Harvey. <laughs> and I, I, I use kind of homespun something, or maybe a yeah. current event or something going on, and then turn it to a biblical text and bring a biblical application to it. So it's been very effective. I'll let my wife tell about another uh, um, thing that we did, Mm -hmm. Uh, sending out a a paper, a little gospel paper, uh, once a quarter to our entire county, every every home in our county, plus some homes outside of our county. She Mm -hmm. can tell about that. So this is, we called this paper, The Voice in the Wilderness, being that he's John Mm -hmm. the Baptist. And... So we, he would write an article, and then I was the editor of that and pretty much included something for everyone. I had a mom's moments column. I had something for the kids, a little puzzle, like a word search of um, the names of all the people in the Bible or books of the Bible, something like that. 
And we had our, our church schedule for the next three months, as well as a list of the services. And then um, alternated um, between what does the Bible say about, and just work my way through doctrines, like what does the Bible say about God, the Father? What does the Bible say about heaven? And taught about some of those things. And then alternated, when I would finish that, go into um, the, the BA and the A and the P and the T of Baptist. Yeah. Yeah. what is a Baptist, right. so that the people would know who we are and what we believe about the Bible. And we had we have people in the church in Marysville today saved and baptized because of that paper. Amen. So yeah. it was a real effective thing. We mailed it to every mailbox in the county, which was about 550 mailboxes, and then it was in the um, local newspaper. They had a way of uh, segregating it into mm. 2,000 papers that went oh. to our area and the southern, uh, the county near us. So some people got to, I know we got um, responses from as far away as 50 miles of people who had gotten that in their paper, probably accidentally by the paper. I don't know, but um, it really made an impact. All right. So I think it is because we've got to wrap this up. So prayer, uh, using the gift set God has given you to interact with the community uh, you cannot isolate you from your community and reach them, right? You've got to find right. ways to life touch life. Uh, and then Romans one sixteen is true, and you believed it, you preached it, you declared it. Absolutely. Uh, so any any summaries you want to put on this? And again, uh, I'll put uh, Jonathan's email address in the show notes. And um, so any any summary statements you want to put on it, like the so I mean, now we got a now you're a radio broadcaster. You're you to add that to all you you all were doing. But what I'm saying <laughs> is, your lives were totally interwoven with the community. Absolutely, and that's a Baptist in the LDS world. Quite quite frankly, there was a time in my life when I denigrated guys that would go to small towns. Yeah, I was I was a big city preacher, and uh, you know I. I God has a great sense of humor. <laughs> and, uh, so he, he finally had us uh, um, for 28 years in a town of 400 people. And God raised up a great work there. We call it the miracle of Mary. So, you know, it's all God's doing. We just, we were just a, an instrument that he chose to use. And we were so pleased. And I think anybody coming into a small rural area, and it's fun to be in a small area because Quite frankly, you'll you'll develop as many relationships with people there as you will in a big city situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, just because it's a small area doesn't mean that you're going to have less opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you get actually a more personal um, contact with the community and a small community, and you can be you can be a big part of that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, but but our ultimate objective is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we try to make everything go towards that yeah. in, in one way or another. Um, and we're I'm, not just doing activities to be doing activities. We, we, they want to be gospel oriented activities. And that's the only thing that's going to, uh, you know, really change a community. But we have seen the, the community of Marysville radically change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure people in town, you know, attribute it to different things, but I, I really attribute it to the gospel coming to town. Amen. And I would even say this, Jonathan, I would say in a town of 400, 
it would be easier, it would be harder to be bold in your faith because you, everybody knows who you are. So the verse goes back, sure. I am not ashamed of the gospel yeah. of Christ. So I'm thinking in a smaller community where you are, I mean, you and your wife are known as those Baptists, okay? So yeah. I, I just appreciate the word of God living through you. And, and, and you know, I think, that again, it's all to God's glory. It's not for you. But it it, sure. it is. It's it's making known the gospel, and I think yeah. uh, probably another podcast. But Jonathan, as we were talking, you know, and just not making the gospel more complicated than it is, you know, and, and yeah. so that's it's so powerful. Okay, Edwards, uh, thank you all so much. I uh, hope you see you in a few weeks. Come back from Alaska, get back to Utah, and Lord willing, yeah. we'll see you soon. Okay, all thank, right, brother. Thank you so much. Right. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. God bless. Bye bye. You're listening to ReChurch, a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.